0: you're listening to city church long beach sermons visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org
1: to be with all of you wonderful people Uh, some of you i was just online with on zoom Uh, if i slipped out you know before you got there good morning it's so glad we're glad you're with us on zoom and all of you wonderful faces here in person um man i felt my soul just start to settle a little bit uh, as the dolmages were singing for us and i just want to invite all of you just to be just to be totally aware that all of you is welcome here this morning, Uh, you know, we have all had a week. I don't know what your week was like, right? Like maybe there's some really good moments, maybe there's some really hard moments, uh, probably lots of things, good and bad, that you're bringing in here this morning and they are all welcome here. Uh, Just in case you're confused, this is City Church of Long Beach where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him uh, in the renewal of all things. Uh, That's what we hope to be about and we're glad that you are here to pursue that with us Um, a few just little housekeeping things particularly for those of us who are here in person to feel comfortable in a new place Uh, if any of you are new here this morning it's always nice to know where the bathrooms are Uh, so there is a bathroom right through here up the stairs nope nope sorry There is not a bathroom currently up the stairs to the left, it is off limits. Uh, But if you go in all the way through the auditorium, hook a few rights, there is a bathroom in the lobby. Uh, And there are a couple restrooms as well on the corner over here. So that's just so you can feel comfortable. Feel free to get up, move around, whatever you need to do uh, as we get into our time together here today. Well, today is the Sunday that in the church calendar we call Palm Sunday uh, because we start to remember just uh, the the week that Jesus had before Easter Sunday. And so we're kind of leaning into that whole narrative and sequence of events. With that, uh, for our kiddos, there is a very special story time that Miss Wendy has prepared for you today. So for any kids who in just a moment wanna go and join Wendy, but what we like to do here at City Church before the kids even go is we like to pray for them. And each kid here today, uh, recognizing that we want to love on them. There are also kids that are joining us via Zoom and we're praying for them as well. And then we are sitting in a school campus, right? There are hundreds of kids who come and are in this space each day throughout the week. And so we're remembering all those kids and the kids in this community as well. So holding all of those kids in mind, would you join me to pray? God, thanks. Thanks that we get to come here and be with you this morning. We get to bring all of ourselves, um, the good parts of our week, the bad parts, our complicated emotions, uh, what's happy, what's sad, hurting, angry. Thanks for these kiddos in our midst. Thanks for the ways that they remind us uh, just by their honesty and tenderness and compassion, their trust, all the ways that they just draw our hearts closer to you. Would you help us to love them well? Would you help us just to lean in towards them the way you lean in towards us? Would you be with them and care for them in a special way? Not just the kids here physically in our midst, those on Zoom, those in the neighborhood around us, all those who come and are part of this campus each week. God, we know you love them. Would they feel that more and more? We love you, amen. Hey kids, if you would like to, there is story time right over there, it, uh, but you are also welcome to hang out here with us. And now, uh, Bill White, the other co-pastor here at City Church. Hey, Hi. thanks for teaching us this morning. Woo. Oh, there you
0: go. Sorry. Oh, you're good. I think I, is this guy going to work? Do we think, Dave? We're going to try it. We're going to try it today. We'll see how this goes. No, it's not going to work. It's just, it's just grumpy. So Dave actually did some testing on the mic. The mics actually work fine. It's the space up here with all the like the metal poles and everything that uh, is messing up our our fancy wireless mics. So we don't get to be fancy today. Sorry about that. But, you know, that's okay too. So we are wrapping up a series where we've been looking at sort of the different approaches to prayer right? And that there are different seasons of prayer. And sometimes everything is right with you and God. And we call that the season of orientation where you're like, man, I'm oriented towards God. Like God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And things are clean and clear and triumphant. And those are great seasons. And then there are those seasons of disorientation where you're like, you know, I'm not sure I believe this anymore. Life is hard. You know, I, I've gotten sick, or, or my friend has, you know, had an issue, or my marriage didn't work out, or whatever it was. Maybe you got kicked out of church for some reason, right? And so you're like, man, this is no good. I don't know what I think anymore. And that's a season of disorientation. And the prayers we pray in that season are very important. All right, the prayers of doubt and cynicism and hurt and sadness, super healthy. Orientation is healthy, disorientation is healthy. And then there's a season of reorientation, the sense where you try to integrate both of those other two, right? Where you name where you've been and the things that haven't been so good, but you also recognize that there's still God and that you want to be a part of God's life, God's world, right? And those are, we talk about those as Psalms of reorientation. So that's what we're looking at today as we wrap up this sermon series. And kind of to help us with that, I figured it might be helpful to hear some, like, what is this like in real life? Right? If you ask just a a normal person, what would this be like? So Gene Kiyocho, if you would come on up. We're going to ask Gene. You can welcome Gene here. Look at that guy. So Gene has, is actually our pastoral intern here. He's a seminary student, but he's, he's old, I right? I mean, I how, how old are you, dude? I am 34. He's 34. Wow, man. Back in the good old days, 34. Yes. Um, and I, so I'm just going to ask Gene, just tell us a little bit about your life story. He's going to sit here. We're gonna, he's going to kind of interrupt um, and be sort of uh, comic relief. Comic relief, yes. I <laughs> have a lot of jokes for y'all tonight. So. No. Um, so, nothing about the
2: gospel at all. No, <laughs> um, so
0: Gene, tell us a little bit. Let's just get started. Tell us about that season of orientation, so to speak. When, like, how did you grow up? What was your spiritual life like? What were some of the benefits that came growing up around church and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up historically all my life, uh, ever since I can remember about four or five years old, my mom um, brought us to church at a very young age. And I just remember this sense of community and belonging because that's where I met a lot of my friends at. Mm. And uh, it, and it's easy to meet friends at church. If you ever want to just meet friends, go to a local church and you'll meet friends, right? Because uh, they're mm-hmm. supposedly very friendly. So, uh, <laughs> um, so Yeah, that's pretty much uh, my mom was the big proponent of going to church. Uh, She's a first generation Filipino. Um, She migrated out, uh, migrated here with my dad. Oh, not with my dad. They met here, but back in the 50s. Um, And she, that was a part of her life. And she wanted to integrate that spirituality and religion into our life. and. You know it obviously has a lot of its ups and downs but um, but it was good it brought yeah, some stability
0: it good. Yeah. You, you found a sense of belonging yeah. and a sense of stability and and i think i remember you saying you kind of needed the stability because there are other things in your life that weren't that stable
2: yeah so growing up too with that the caveat of having community um in our own family we moved around a lot um ever since i can remember when i was three years old we lived in a hotel for about a year of our life um so that's a big part of my childhood. Uh, my dad gambled a lot. Um, so just imagine, like I have two kids out there right now, and three or four years old, I can remember us just being in a hotel, like we grew up in a hotel. Yeah. Um, and, and that took a lot of my memories of us moving around. So I never had really a, a stable area where I got to meet longtime friends because uh, we would move probably a year or two later to a different area, and we have to, again, reestablish um, community,
0: establish friends. And, um, and church was part of that. Yeah. yeah. Church, or you found those friends, or you yes. found that sense of belonging and stability. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, that's a great gift, yeah. right? To say, hey, there's a God who loves you. You get to be part of God's family. Here's some friends. Here's some stability. Here's some yeah. belonging. So that, that's a, a picture of what a season of orientation looks like. So, hey, thanks, Gene. Um, and so now what we're gonna do is we're gonna read from a scripture passage from the book of Psalms, one of those prayers of reorientation, and it's Psalm 114. And in this Psalm, what you're gonna hear, I mean, it, it's just gonna kind of flow by you as, as we listen to the scripture, a lot of times it just sort of flows over us, but you're gonna hear that there's this reference back to the days of Egypt, and there's a sense of deliverance. And then there's a sense that God is with us in a special way now. So that's kind of what you're listening in for. Uh, Sam Davila, if you would welcome them as they come up to uh, read scripture for us. Thank you, Sam. Uh, and, you know, we stand sometimes, when I remember, uh, around City Church, when we read God's word. And if you're on Zoom, you don't have to stand. But you can, if you want.
1: Good morning. Psalm 114. When Israel came out of Egypt, Jacob from from a people of a foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. The mountains leaped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it sea that you fled? Why Jordan did you turn back? Why mountains did you leap like rams, you hills like lambs? tremble earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into springs of water.
0: People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Back to you. So Psalm 114 is what we're looking at. And this is a psalm of reorientation. So this is a psalm of, a, it's not orientation where everything always is good and it's not disorientation where everything is sort of bad. It's like, no, there's good and there's bad and it's, there's hard and there's easy and, and we're kind of integrating it together. But notice that it starts off with this sense of, I've been through it. I've been through it. That you, you can't have a, like a fully integrated faith, a, a faith that's mature, without being able to look back and say, I've been through it. So this is what it says in verse one. When Israel came out of Egypt, Egypt was the place of oppression. They were stuck there for hundreds of years. They were slaves. They were oppressed. They had to do all these building projects for the Pharaoh and they didn't get paid. And it was a terrible place. For for the people of Israel, and what we, God is is inviting us to pray is, we can look and name the terrible places in our lives. We we can see those. We can name them. That's okay. That's part of a healthy prayer life. And so, some of us we have those scars from the from the things that we've been through. Some of them are physical scars, like we had an accident, a car accident or something, we have some physical scars. Or we might have a physical scar of some of the places maybe we used to cut ourselves to maybe to dim down the intense emotional pain by feeling some physical pain. Right? We we have some physical scars sometimes. We also, many of us, have scars that you can't see. Those are the scars on, on the inside, the things that were, were done to us or that we did to ourselves, and the shaming. These are our Egypts. And for some of us, they're not just scars. They're actual wounds. And there's a difference between a scar and a wound. A wound is still bleeding, Right? And so we need to recognize here in our midst today, like some of us actually are just still bleeding. And that's okay. For you today might just be a day like, okay, maybe something could be better. And maybe that's why you're here. And that's fine. For others of us, we're learning how to look back and name where we've been so that we can move forward in a healthier, more, more balanced way. And this Egypt, as they name Egypt, it, it's not just that, that he names Egypt, but it's just that we came out of Egypt. There's, there's actually an immigration story here. Right? They, they immigrated out of Egypt. It was a whole people changed lands. And honestly, for so many of us, many of us have immigration stories. We have stories where we shifted countries, And that was really significant. So many times, as as if you sit and you listen with someone about their immigration story, you realize, wow, that was profound. Not only the the external changes mirroring internal changes. Sometimes there's a lot of goodness there. Many times there's a lot of sadness and a lot of hurt. But this this is what the prayer of reorientation does. It looks and it says, I've been there. I've been there. So, Gene, we want to uh, pull you back in here. Thank you, sir. Um, so, tell us a little bit about you. You know, what, 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 what's your Egypt? You know, did you have some bumps along the way? And as you think about your faith, right? So, how did it change? Sort of how you thought about God. All of a sudden, you know, the God of belonging, the God of stability, how did that start to shift to like, oh, God, man, I'm not sure I can trust as much or maybe God's different than I thought. Mm-hmm. So both in, your, in your, your emotional and personal life and then also in your kind of spiritual life, how, uh, what were some of those, those moments of, of when you started to shift towards being disoriented? Um,
2: I guess there's three parts to that. Um, so I, I was born here And, um, but back in my early 20s, uh, I decided to go to the Philippines. All right. right? Tell us
0: what you were doing in the Philippines.
2: Um, I was pursuing my dream as a a professional basketball player in the Philippines. There you go. That's Um, what I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't all glamorous as I thought it would be, right? Uh, (laughs) Funny how that is. Yeah, so, so I ended up living there. So I was only supposed to stay there for about three months and I ended up staying there for two years. Um, so I, I, I was going through the process of trying to play pro ball. You had to go through this uh, vetting process of going through the semi-pros and things like that. And being a Filipino American um, and having, you know, uh, the American ideals, um, I would, thought I was just going to fit in perfectly because I was Filipino, I was brown, I looked like everybody there. But it was totally the opposite, right? They could see and smell that you weren't from there. Um, and um, the moment I walked in, um, they're already kind of plotting like how they're going to make it extremely hard for me. Um, I, I was telling Bill this story of they were, they, so when I would, I would try out and I would go for a layup, there would be two guys that would step on my foot and there would be one guy that would just push me. So it was very intentional. They were trying to make my life hard. Um, and so in that moment, I was like, yeah, I'm Filipino, but. I don't feel like they accept me here, you know, and yeah. and in a sense because I was also taking their job away, right? Mm-hmm. This is their livelihood, right? Um, and I was an American trying to come in there and take their job, um, so th- I didn't understand that till after the fact.
0: And but being yeah. Filipino in America is always easy, right? No, it is not. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh my yeah. word!
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know who I am. No, I'm just yeah, so I, uh, so growing um, when I started working like in the corporate world, I remember getting an interview from the CEO, and the first thing he would say to me is like, "Oh, my father's gene too." Like, and I was just like, thank my parents for naming me Gene, because it's the whitest name ever, right? (laughs) Um, And it's a very old school name. So, yeah, and and I got the job. And the only caveat to that is, yeah, I I got the job, but it was predominantly white. I was literally the only Filipino there. And um, a lot of the conversations, and, you know, I give them grace, right? A lot of the conversations would always start off like this. It's like, were you born here? Like, yeah, I was born here. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm an American, right? Um, and they would always bring up like two foods, right? As Filipinos, it's either the lumpia, right, or the pancit, right. It's like we love the pancit, we love the lumpia. You should bring it here. It's like I don't know how to cook that, but I can buy it for you, you know. But um, yeah, so that was my experiences, and um, it was a different, it was a different environment for me because. Um, I, I, was trying to, I was living in this tension of them trying to understand me and also me understanding being working in a predominant um, white like, office, right? Um, and it was uncomfortable at times, but, you know.
0: And, and so these pieces, so you're traveling to the Philippines okay. and not totally fitting in there, being an American and, and having the, the white kind of dominant culture, not totally accepting you, like, those are spaces of not belonging when belonging was so important to you yes Uh, so tell us a little bit about the faith piece of that journey what what did that look like how did this impact or what kind of has your spiritual journey looked as you've realized oh man there's some places even in in christian spaces where i maybe didn't belong as much either and what did that do with god
2: yeah so um so in the beginning of the story i grew up in the church right um and my wife val uh, who's sitting in the back um i met my my wife at the church that we both served at for many years um many years we put our we could say our blood sweat and tears into this church of um in this, specifically in the youth um youth ministry and um so we we served probably about 12 years maybe roughly around around there um mm-hmm. But we started, uh, for my, me personally, I started, because um, there's, a, there's a lot of components to it so I'm trying to, trying to put it together. But long story short, um, I started, started going through this deconstruction phase in this church because of the Philippines, right? The Philippines was very formidable because I, I got in touch with one of my good friends who planted the church there. And, um, and it was growing very fast. But with him, he just immediately shut it down because he did not like how it was becoming. As far as, like, you know, when you be, when you start a church, you start, you, you go into this engine of the machine, the machine of the church, right? Um, and, and he shut it down immediately, and it took courage to do something like that, especially if you see a lot of people coming. Um, but it took away from the community and the belonging part because you can start to see, like, different groups starting to form. But anyway, so when I came back into the church, uh, into the big box churches, um, I started, no, I started questioning theologically, right, and um, and just the way church is done. Um, and I started thinking like, if our God is so big, our God is ultimately very creative and artistic in a sense. There has to be other ways of doing church. There has to be different ways of doing community. Um, and, and I just couldn't fit in that mold anymore, in a sense of definitely the hierarchies of church and um, and, and just theologically, I just couldn't fit in that mold anymore. So I was, I was fighting this uphill battle of trying to stay in because you put so much of your energy of your life into the ministry and you just start to tell yourself, like, this is part of God's plan. You know, you're doing God's work, but in a sense, you're ultimately um, start to get burnt out, and your soul starts to get burnt out. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, you told me about that particular situation, which was sort of the end of your last church experience when you wanted to do a wedding and ah, they said yeah, no.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like one of my good friends. Um, he's he's gay and he's black, um, and I got to you know, know him, like he was one of my best friends. Um, and for me, I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. It's such an honor, such a privilege to do it. But then we were under this denomin- Christianese language, this denominational umbrella, right? And so there was two, there's just big tension about the LGBT community. And in our denomination, being part of staff, we weren't allowed to mm-hmm. marry um, gay couples. Mm. And um, for me, I, I was just doing it because I love them and I wanted to just do this gesture for them.
0: And you weren't playing politics. No, yeah. And I didn't even likes.
2: think about the denominational part yeah. of it. or This is what you do. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, I'll do it, of course. Like, you're my, my best bud. I, I would love to do that. And then I had to take a step back and I had to talk to my pastor and we had to talk to our district um, uh, whatever he was called during that time, and he just said hard no because you're staff you can't do it. I'm sorry, you can attend the wedding, but you can't. Um, so from there on, I was just like, huh. Like, there's something for me. There's just something humanly wrong with that. Whether you believe the theological part of it or not, it was just like something I wanted to just give back to my friends. Yeah. You know, um, and and uh, that broke my heart. Um, and it was just like e- e- even the ethical part of being a church, and I always say this to even in seminary, I'm very big on this, is I would rather have a church tell a congregation, like, no, we're not affirming, than kind of sweep it under the rug and say, like, oh, well, if they, they don't tell us, then
0: it's fine, right? Yeah. Um, because then you come and yeah. you try to show up with your whole self and yeah. your whole self- And then it's like, welcome. oh,
2: I didn't know that about you. Now, yeah. well, now we have a problem. Yeah. Like You don't really belong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so now for me, um, yeah, that, that broke my heart. So I'm in this place right now of just that brought me here at yeah. City Church. So okay. um, kind of still exploring that. And
0: you know, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Appreciate you, Gene. Yeah. So uh, all that that sense of belonging, that sense of stability, gets. It gets shaken, right? It gets shaken by experience back in the Philippines. It gets shaken by experiences here, outside the church, within the church. You start asking questions like, who is God? Is God good? Like, what? Well, I thought I was. this was supposed to be a place of belonging. Now it's feeling like in a place of exclusion, all these things, right? And, and then you start asking these theological questions. And Gene and I have had a bunch of these conversations like, how do we think about God now? how do we think about the bible these are this is the journey this is actually the healthy journey of prayer to to ex- express all of this to god and and there's this really interesting shift so this is this is this whole idea like hey i've been to egypt i came out of egypt i've had some experiences right i had some immigration experiences i had some oppression experiences i've had some experience of disorientation, where things no longer made sense. And yet, God somehow is still there. God is still doing something. God is still working. I mean, Gene still shows up. He's still asking questions. And, and as I talk with, with folks here, this is, this is our story. We have lots of questions. We have been through some stuff. We have seen Egypt... We've been moved around, and we're, and we're trying to sort out, like, how do you integrate that with who God is? And so the, this passage, it goes on, and in verse 2, it says something that you kind of just skim over it, but it's really profound. It says, Judah became God's sanctuary, and Israel his dominion. So it's a sense that God, now, instead of sort of dwelling in the whole world, which is still true, God says, no, I'm going to dwell within Judah, which is another name for the, the people of Israel. And instead of ruling over the whole world, I'm going to actually take up residence in the people of Israel. There's a sense in which God now is saying, look, so many times in our, in our phase of orientation, it's like God is up there and almighty and really big and powerful, which is great. And you, you just pray for miracles all the time, Right? And sometimes you see them. In reorientation, what happens is God still is a God who created the world and does miracles, but now God comes down and we see it in the person of Jesus most profoundly and is here amongst us. Jesus, when he's teaching in Luke 19, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. And so now it's, it's not just a God who's up there. Now, hold on, as we grow and mature, we go through some stuff, we realize, oh, oh God's in here. And so the rest of the psalm in some ways is, is kind of this playful jabs are getting thrown around. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountain, why did the sea, and, and it's like, why was it sea that you fled? Why did you Why did you turn back Jordan River, right? Tremble, verse 7, tremble earth at the presence of the Lord. What he's saying is, God's people showed up, and so the waters parted at the Red Sea. God's people showed up, and the Jordan River said, Ooh, look at them, and parted. Right? There's this reference uh, at, at the end about uh, about. Who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into streams of water? That's verse 8. This is a story about Moses. It's a story about Moses taking his staff and striking a rock, and water pours out of it when the people are really thirsty. It's actually this sense that God was in Moses. Like the, and, and God is willing to say, like, I'm going to take up residence within you. It's you that carry the, the presence of God. Now, now God isn't just something out there. What happens is as we grow and mature and we name the stuff we've been through and we have our eyes peeled for God being with us in the story, now God comes within us. And it's the God within us that starts changing how we pray, how we live and move in this world. So, Gene, back to you just a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what you... Kind of what you do now and where you see god at work now
2: um so in my context now uh, i'm a hospice chaplain and um also part of my um, um seminarian degree uh, i'm taking this thing called a clinical pastoral education um so part of my clinical hours um from from 8 p.m to 12 a.m i'm on a crisis line um so There's a, so when I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my patients and I'm talking to people in the crisis line, there's a lot of hurt going on in the world, right? Um, and for me to have that honor and privilege to just be there for someone. And a lot of the times when I'm on these, on these phone calls, or I'm, a, a lot of it is phone calls, I completely don't, I don't say, I barely say anything. Because there's a lot of people who are just so alone out there and they just need somebody to listen to them. Um, and that in itself is, in, when we're talking about reorientation, that God's not just working in this community. No, he's, there's a lot going on outside of these, these walls in this, this high school. Um, and if I can touch on just two things that happened this last Thursday and Friday, um, part of our school, we had to go, uh, it's called an immersion So for Thursday and Friday, we literally walked the streets of LA. Two days. We checked out the churches that were on Wilshire Boulevard. There was a lot of churches on Wilshire Boulevard. And there was one place that was not a church, and and, and we're probably familiar with it. It's called the LA Mission. right? The LA Mission, downtown, right right across the street from Skid Row. And that was the only establishment that did not claim that they were a church. They were just the LA Mission. And they were doing so much for Skid Row and, and they were trying to get people back on, back to normalcy. Um, and and, and I, it just got me thinking about how, power, how the Spirit of God is just moving um, outside of the church community. But don't get me wrong, the church is very much needed, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are very alone and very, they're hurting. And when I'm going through these calls and they just need somebody to listen to them. And me being able to have, be that agent for them and uh, not saying a word for them is is w- what Bill was talking about. God is not out there. He's very much alive and working in our spirit, right? If we are aware of it.
0: Um, and and so in my context, it's just. Uh, do you uh, sense God there, though? I mean, do you see, yeah. I mean, when you are on the phone or visiting someone who's dying in the hospital, you're on the crisis line. Like what? Do you sense God being there
2: Oh, very much? Yes, uh, absolutely. But you're
0: not seeing miracles.
2: No, they're very much broken. Yeah, right. Very much alone. Um, But I think in that experience that somehow God is transcending through me of being that person to in their dying moments, in their moments of aloneness and brokenness, Mm -hmm. that I can somehow. Be that that peace for them yeah. in that moment there you go not not necessarily pray the healing out of them because we know that it's not really that it happens, but in their context of me trying to pray for healing, it doesn't happen
0: yeah
2: uh, but there's healing in that moment of me just being a part okay. of their life in their moment in their tension in their brokenness. Yeah. Um, I think that in and of itself that God is working
0: in that yeah. as well. So. Well, and this is the journey, right? So this is this is why I wanted Gene to to share this morning, because you can you can hear his whole story kind of coming together, right? I mean he actually still believes in God, but I mean it's some things have have shaken in terms of the the simple faith of your childhood, right? Yeah. And and yet here you are on the phone, and sure you still believe that God does miracles, but but one of the key miracles that God is doing is there's someone who will listen. Someone will witness your pain and say, you are not alone. And, and God, sure, God is up there, but now God is in here. And this is, this is a journey of, of learning how to, to have your life be the prayer. And that's, that's the journey you're on, so we're, we're super proud. So thank you, Gene, really appreciate you, man. And, and yeah, yeah, I want you thank God for him. Thank you. And so I just, you know, I was just thinking a little bit about, I, I don't know how to make this come home. Like, I don't, I don't have this all tied up. But I, all of a sudden this morning, I just started thinking about, about you folks. And I, I thought, you know, th- this psalm about the, the presence of God coming into God's people. And so as God's people show up on the, the, the edge of the Red Sea, it parts. Because God is so powerful within them. And literally the first name, uh, the first thing that just came to me was this vision of Eva Herrera, all right, who is nine months pregnant and is just lovely, comes here without her husband because he works Sundays. But let me tell you this, when Eva walks up to the edge of inhospitality, it flees from the presence of God in her, right? Right? I mean, it, it it runs, it hides, it splits in half. It cannot handle the presence of God in Eva. And here, here's Kimbo sitting next to Eva who, I think you guys went out to lunch last week? Yeah. Eva and Kimbo went out to lunch last week. Last week was Kimbo's first week ever at City Church, right? There was no inhospitality. It had been driven out. The sea had been parted, right? And... And then I got to thinking, I, I just thinking about other, other people here, and I'm going to walk down. I think, like, hey, Zoom, I'm over here now. Um, but, I mean, like, lack of kindness in our world. Like, when Serena shows up, like, it has to flee. It, it's, it's, it's gone. It, it doesn't live there anymore. You know, I, when unhelpfulness, like, oh, God, there's just so much to do, and we're never, ah. Oh, the more she to show up, and it flees. Right? This is what happens. It's the, it's the very presence of God within you, like you people, that, that God is coming down. Like tech problems flee in the presence of Dave Fordyce. Like they can't handle it. Like he's always got a backup plan. He's always ready. I mean, it's, sim- it's simple things like that. Unhealthy conflict flees in the presence of Brenna Rubio. (laughs) You cannot stand, you know, gone, right? Vanquished. And I just, you know, I think of like patriarchy in the presence of Abby Nishimoto, like there is no such thing. It does not exist. It has no reign here or in her daughter, right? If you've met Emma, you know there's potency there. It's the presence of God. And this is what the, the passage is saying. It's like, it's this, this mockery, really. Like, the sea looked and fled. Why was it sea that you fled? Because Eva showed up and Serena showed up, right? Inconsistency. Like, you know, they're just people don't do what they say. That has to flee when Lewis and Helen Thaxton show up. It flees, and all of a sudden you're like, no, people are good, and you can count on them. Like, I, I literally had some people say that when we first started to gather again, and they walked in, and they saw Helen making the coffee again, they started to cry. Because it was the presence of God, and this is you. This is who you are. And, and all of us get to go on that journey to discover Right, not to not to ignore. I mean, every one of those people that I named has some serious junk, right? I mean, ugh. and yet they can name it. They're growing, and God isn't just a God out there. God is a God who is in here, and so their very lives are prayer. And this is this is who you are.